Okay, we are live in the Chiropractic Freedom Show, um, and we are very blessed as an audience today to speak to Dr. Travis Corcoran, um, who is coming to us from Eindhoven in Netherlands, yeah. which already makes you interesting because you don't often bump into Americans that are living in Holland, so I'm going to ask you about that. Um, but uh, there's way more to you than that. Uh, Dr. Travis is one of those people that is not only a very nice and kind human being, he's also an extremely interesting human being. And the more I go down the, the rabbit hole of, of you, um, the more I, I you know, just want to know more about you know, your background and how you got to this point. We're going to talk a bit about a book that's just come out. Now, I, I met you, Dr. Travis, when uh, he actually joined the Chiropractic Freedom Project. And at that point, we were talking about creating online programs for the young chiropractors, you know. Um, but what he didn't tell me at that time is that he was putting together this incredible book. Um, and it's come out now and I see it's making waves. I'm seeing it within and outside of the profession as well. And I'm really excited to get my own copy. It's more difficult on the tip of Africa to get the physical copy. I'm going to have to ask the, the man behind it to, to send me one. Um, but... Let's let's start with with you, Travis. Just uh, you know, tell us about your, your background. I mean, from what I've seen, you've had a military background, you've had a ph yeah. philosophical background. You're obviously a chiropractor. T give us the 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 summary of how you got to where you are, please. I'm still figuring that out. Myself. How how did I get here? But uh, no, that's true. I was in the military for a bit, and that was after. Yeah, I went to a. I don't know if other people have done this. I went to a like a private high school. It was a, like a Catholic high school. And, it, yeah. and I'm very thankful. Looking back, I'm thankful. At the time, though, when you have to wear a uniform to school and all this stuff, you're, you're, you don't appreciate it then that, that how great the education is until yeah. you like, talk to some of the people in the public schools and stuff. So I was very lucky. It was supposed to be centered around the, phys the liberal, liberal arts, and it kind of was. So that was nice. Um, so when I got, you can imagine if you're like in this environment, uniform, and it's pretty strict yeah. Catholic school, yeah. that when you're free from that in America exactly. and you go to university, you're away from home and supervision. Exactly. Opposite. That, yeah, I I wasn't the best student. I'm not even sure where many of my classes were. So after a year, that was like, that was a pretty much utter failure at Ohio State. So yeah, the military was like, for me, I, like a personal choice i go this this would probably be good for me i could use a like some good discipline stuff like that and they had the nuclear engineering program so uh, does, does this interest you yeah i always did well math and physics so and i did nuclear engineering in the navy and uh, I, I i loved the material and had some great times uh, i always say like i love the clowns but hated the circus yeah so I, i've never seen myself as like a real yeah collective collective kind of person then even worse yeah. if you know me now like to think that i was uh working for the government like that is, is <laughs> especially if you read my book as well but those experiences really helped and they kind of put me where, where i am now i wouldn't my perspective and everything wouldn't be as diverse as it is without those uh great yeah. experiences and like you probably know, as many people do, it, it takes time to put things into their proper perspective, right? You get so tunnel vision in the moment. But then it was after the military that uh, gave university a second go. And it was a to it was totally different this time. I mean, I was still having fun and I enjoyed myself. But now I was 
I was going to my classes. I was getting like straight A's, uh, at least for the first couple of years. Um, and I was a biology major because I thought, well, I'll go to dental school. And to be honest, it was just because that looked like a good profession. But as my grades were so good, I was like, geez, why don't I just go to medical school? Yeah. And, uh, but after the first year, I switched my major from biology to philosophy. And I kept biology as a minor because you needed all these requirements, like these minimum organic chemistry and all that stuff. Yeah. But philosophy intrigued me so much that, um, yeah, it was nice to always have this analytical math and physics and science background. But it didn't come into, it really didn't come into the full picture until philosophy added this. It, it I'll say this, it just added understanding. And yeah. that's, that's what I loved. I love to understand something. You can go to school and the, the example I was give, you go to school and they teach you the Pythagorean theorem, but they, but you don't leave school with the skills to have deduced that on your own, to have figured that out, to conclude it. Right. I like that. To me, that's an intelligent person. And I, I just love philosophy. that everything changed then. And then, um, I've given you the long version here, but then, uh, I was ready for ready for med school, took the MCATs. That's like this aptitude entrance exam yeah. in the US and did really well. And yeah, I was invited for an early admission at a university, but then you have to like sign this thing that you won't apply elsewhere because they want your scores to boost their average, right? And uh, the only thing I had to do was like follow around, shadow some doctor for a little bit. And I was doing that every Thursday for like a couple months. And that was when I, I, I'd never heard this. I was like most people, most of the clients that come into my office. Yeah, medicine's great. It's this great innovation. And it is. There are so many things I'm thankful for, like emergency room surgery and stuff. But working with this, like just family doctor, Robert, man, he told me some things that like, I never heard about pharmaceutical corruption. I wouldn't even conceive or consider that like, corporations that make medicine might do something like that off-brand marketing or hiding their studies or I never would have occurred to me. And so he really exposed me to something I'd never would have considered. And he was living, he wasn't a happy guy. I'll say that. I mean, he was, but he was stuck in that yeah. profession. He lived, he, he had a lifestyle in the house and all this stuff that he, he couldn't afford to leave. Yeah. And I remember taking a hard look at him and his life and I was thankful for all the advice he gave me, but I was like, this isn't what I want to do. 40, 50, 60 hours a week. He barely sees his kids. He told me he like barely feels he's helping any of these people. Like the most yeah. he really does for them is just putting his hand on their shoulders. Sometimes um, some of the caregivers, the medicine doesn't even get to the elderly that they're caring for. They either sell it or take it themselves. And it really painted a picture in healthcare that I was like, I'm out. Yeah. So I just abandoned it altogether. I didn't even think about chiropractic school. I still didn't really know what it was. So I went to, went to work uh, as an engineer, back to work as an engineer. And that was, uh, oh man, sitting behind a computer in a cubicle. I was like, this is killing me too. It was so bad that I actually, I hurt my back pretty bad. And then uh, this uh, British, luckily, this British gentleman, he like reluctantly took me to a chiropractor. I didn't want to go. He's like, no, you're going to a chiropractor. I'm like, what is that stuff? And uh, 
But man, that uh, that changed my life going to a chiropractor. Uh, two months after my first visit to the chiropractor, I was enrolled at Palmer Davenport. And then two months after that, I um, yeah, I was sitting. So four months after my first correction, I was sitting in class. Oh man. I had all the requirements and you know, I was already ready to go to med school. And it was just I got so turned off. But then this tragedy came along from my low low back. But um, so many other things changed my life. My my vision, my asthma, all this stuff was like, and I just came to see you for back pain. Like, how's this happening? But I was very lucky. She was principled. She understood everything. She appealed to my sense of reason, which is important if you're if you're yeah. trying to convince me of something. Like, uh, I, I really don't go for the appeal to emotion much. And yeah, so now I'm a chiropractor and uh, yeah, and I love this profession. So I work very hard, as you know, I do a lot, vice chairman of the board for the IFCO. I just got elected to the chairman of the board or sorry, just to the board of directors for the IAC. Yeah. And uh, we just started a school, a chiropractic school here in the Netherlands. And I wrote a book that is low key like how to get people into chiropractic. There's like uh, two paragraphs in there. So the whole book is appealing to reason, establish myself as a expert in logic and reason. And then you're left at like page 120 or something. It's like these two paragraphs on chiropractic, like just makes sense, right? So it's like, assumptive. Yeah. so in oh, fact, man. two of the proofreaders and like some of the editors, there was like six people from like that, that like have nothing to do with chiropractic and are like, man i didn't know that was good so all of them go to chiropractors now regularly oh man and that's that's when you know you you on on a mission is when you start seeing it affect other people in that way change the direction of their, their lives um but one thing i wanted to to ask you and i don't know if you're coming across this with your book is and and again i don't know if this is a common misperception but i did come across it is that somehow in, in our profession as well is that People almost equate science and philosophy as being two different things, two separate things, and you are either in the one camp or the other camp. Have you ever come across that where people have a perception of philosophy it being different to science? And then how do you how how do you deal with that when somebody has that perception? Yeah, the thing is, I've come across the way I've seen it is that philosophy is looked at as some sort of like mental musing or like a, a religion yeah, yeah. you know like like i think patrick gentempo would always say like the idea of philosophy invokes the vision of like flowing robes togas and yeah. stuff but it's really interesting that's why the book i find the book also important that i wrote i wanted to like draw the connection between these things and philosophy like the etymological definition is love of wisdom okay yeah. Most people know what love is, deep admiration. But wisdom gets, unfortunately, thrown around like it means the same thing as intelligence or yeah. understanding or knowledge. Wisdom is actually the expression of knowledge and understanding. And yeah. so that's that's where science and philosophy are connected. Yeah, they, they are not the same thing, but they are intimately connected. Yeah. A, wise, a wise person... <clears throat> can express as well their knowledge and understanding. Knowledge is the closest thing that we know to science. In fact, if I look up the definition of science, it'll say a body of knowledge about what? So 
chemical science, body of knowledge about chemistry, biological science, a body of knowledge. Science comes from the Latin word science, or which means knowledge, or the verb sciare to know. So science and knowledge are almost synonymous. Science is simply knowledge. And anyone in healthcare or any anyone in the sciences know that knowledge or science, it can be correct or incorrect. We're always adding to the quantity of knowledge we acquire throughout our lives and all these topics. But we also hope to improve the quality of that knowledge too. And that's done through like understanding logic, reason. So they are very linked. Like wisdom is, or philosophy, the love of wisdom. And that's, uh, it starts, it starts with science. You have to have knowledge, you have to have some knowledge to express. And even even better, if you un actually understand that knowledge, you don't just know it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, looking at at your book, you know what I what I love about it is it's it's teaching people tools that they can use so that they can look at the world as it's what's going on out there and make decisions more correct decisions for themselves. So I wanted to ask you about the timing of this because. The last two years has been absolutely, obviously, crazy with this. Now, were you planning on doing this book for, for years, or has what's happened in the last two years suddenly caused you to take action? I will say, like, there was always there was always a, a request, like, hey, man, you should write a book, or you're always repeating the same thing. You know, this is good stuff. Why don't you just write a book? But I don't like to write. Yeah. And it was kind of, a, how can I say, everything just kind of coalesced that lockdown was crazy. And that two years was so that did present like a, a great time opportunity. And then when you could, I mean, the last two years and now like this last year as well, I wouldn't say it's over. It's just switched. Yeah. That there's a, how do I say it? Unless we learn these tools, we'll consistently be victims to the effects, right? any logician or reasonable thinking person looks at the world today or anything you take from the media or politicians, Hollywood, academia, it's just riddled, riddled with logical inconsistencies, errors and reasons, contradictions. And it's just go and, and people, this cognitive dissonance, we just accept it. Yeah. That of course that violates reason, but I believe it anyway. I thought that there I have to write the book this time. I'll never get a better chance. And yeah. um, and I'm sure you can imagine that a lot of people are thankful for it. However, if you are entrenched, deeply entrenched or highly credentialed by one of the institutions I'm criticizing, that, that you don't like, that you'll condemn the hell out of this book, right? Yeah. So if you are deeply entrenched or highly credentialed in academia, legacy media, politics, big corporation, social tech or social media, like you're, you've got a lot to say very negatively about my book, right? Cause it's, yeah. uh, it's really an exposure of what those things are doing to us. I call them like the, the five, the five culprits, the five suspects. And yeah. it, it looks now like the intellect has been murdered and I see, okay, who, who's guilty? And that's that's who I see, right? If we were to, you and, and I, five suspects, <laughs> yeah, like Sherlock and Watts, you know Watson and Holmes, they 
or any murder detective, you look for means, motive, and opportunity. And these yeah. five institutions have it by the bulk, you know? And most people like yourself, we know, and the older we get, the more true this, I realize this is, like the five people you surround yourself with have like, yeah. you, become, you become them almost. Well, we most people know this, right? A lot of people know this as you get older, you're like, ooh, you really understand the truth of that statement. What I wanted to do is like, okay, well, consider the five institutions that occupy like nearly 100% of the real estate that your mind is accessing all the time. Yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about those five major institutions, so it's the five individuals. But me and the five individuals closest to me, we're all exposed to the same. We all have access to the same social media, legacy media, big corporations, politics, academia, all of it. But we're not talking about that and the influence they have. We're not talking yeah. about a larger cultural influence. And if we understand it, like on the microcosm, why wouldn't that principle be true in the macrocosm? And so I thought that was important to preface in the book, give that. Content or, or gives them some inspiration to this may be beneficial for you. Your your mind is at risk without this, right? Um, that's what people want. What's in it for me? I can recommend this book. Uh, this book. This I recommend this book all the time. The Trivium by Sister Miriam Joseph. Mm. Best book ever, man. Robert, it's a secret. That's the best book ever. And, and but no one reads it. It's because it's like a college text and it's not sexy and um, and it doesn't really tell you what's in it for you, how it might ap apply to your life. It's just rigid like lessons and they are good. And so I wrote my book to kind of quickly overview those topics, but inspire people like, hey, look what this might do to your life if you were to actually engage in the first three liberal arts of like knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, or as she calls them, grammar, logic, and rhetoric. That, and that's, that's what, I, what I what I love what you've done. I mean, uh, you know, I've just gotten off the Ryan Holiday train and, you know, read, read all his books. And what he's done is taken, you know, the ancient wisdom of Stoicism and try to create it practically for, you know, for us today. And, and you're doing the same thing, you know, with the ancient liberal arts. Um, and um, I, I think I said to you the first time I saw the title of the book, it's just such a good title. It's so intriguing. Um, and, uh, you know, the fact that you're using ancient wisdom in a modern time i don't know for me that's you know always interesting because there's a reason why if there's ancient wisdom that's been around for a long time you know it's been tried and tested but i wanted to ask you you know from a i mean just looking through a, a chiropractic lens here's a question for you we we have traditional chiropractic which which comes from a vitalistic kind of background mm -hmm. we have the medical model which is by definition more mechanistic now, those are, are two completely different viewpoints. So my question would be, is it even possible for those two viewpoints ever to come together and agree and work together on anything when it's complete opposite views of reality? And uh, is that our biggest challenge as chiropractors getting out into the mainstream and helping more people because of that, that opposition? I'm going to say yes, and here's why. And it's because if it's true and chiropractic, it's true elsewhere, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be a principle. And here's the principle. People will never come together or unite 
on their emotions because emotions are shifting and changing, right? So if it's about my reputation or something, my, like an appeal to emotion or authority, but there's never going to be a, a unification around that. We'll never get together and come together around that. The only thing we can ever come together around is truth, principles, principles defined as a fundamental, a fundamental truth useful in the system or chain of reasoning. And unless we acknowledge those first, and what's funny is our like founding fathers of chiropractic, they they put they laid a lot of this out in the mm -hmm. 33 principles. Yeah. Um, and even better, if I have it, since this is a chiropractic podcast, um, I would recommend this book for just about anybody. Oh, let me see if I can get it on camera. What David Koch did was really brilliant. He took those 33 principles, which are not strictly chiropractic principles, right? Yeah. Like principle 17, for instance, the law of cause and effect. That's not just for chiropractors. That, yeah. Everyone understands that. For every cause, there's an effect. Every effect, there's a cause. Or principle 18, um, evidence of life, signs of life. Like, are you evidence-based? Yeah, give me evidence. Okay, what is, what is evidence of life? those five signs of life. That's not strictly chiropractors, right? And if we could just come together on those, however, we have those two extremes you're talking about, and I call them extremes. And I would say that's very few people there. However, when you're uncertain in your understanding, you talk a lot, you have a lot to say, you make waves because you want to, you're insecure, you need other people on your team, you got, you know, but those who understand, they don't have a lot to say. They're busy learning, understanding, thinking. So these extremes, <laughs> these extremes, they really appear like there's so many of them. But I would say that the majority is in the middle. There's a silent majority. So we're probably more united than we, we think we are mm -hmm. because the extremists get <laughs> the most like voice time, I, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. True, actually. Never thought yeah. about it like that. Yeah. And so here's the problem. I'll critic, and, and I'm in a fair and equal critic, I think, of both sides. Yeah. And uh, so I would say, for like what you would call the vitalistic side, I, I call them more spiritualistic because really we're all vitalists, right? Vital means of or pertaining to vitae or life. Hmm. I don't know chiropractors that that give chiropractic corrections to dead people, but all my clients are alive, just like yeah. whether you're. Me mechanistic, evidence-based, vital, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. We're all vitalistic. It's just some people have a problem with that word because they think their person, their because their perception of the word is that it's hippy dippy or, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, so I would criticize that side. Like they may know the principles, but they do not understand the principles. So they can recite them. You can have all this knowledge of chiropractic principles. But if you don't understand it, then you're not really, you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you're not, yeah. not empowered, right? I can tell you the Pythagorean theorem, whoop-de-doo. That doesn't mean you understand it yeah. or that you apply it. You can just repeat after me, A squared plus B squared equals C squared in a two-dimensional right triangle. Great, you know that. But can you apply it? So that that's that end, like, and and they're they're the spiz wizards from the stage, and they say lots of things like, "Time is illusion." Uh, listen to innate and to whatever you know, and yeah. they really misuse a lot of our terms and concepts. The other side is equally guilty, you know. They they deny vitalism, 
which I, which is crazy. Cause like I said, prior, like all their clients are alive and they simply refuse to look at these principles because they're associated with that spiritualistic. Yeah. I call them, they self-identify as vitalistic, but I would call them a bit spiritualistic. So because those principles become associated with them and their loud voices, loud voices are created on the other side in opposition in, in with the best of intentions. I'm going to defend this profession. I love the profession. And I don't want people to think we're a bunch of crazy, hippy-dippy, woo-woo-y yeah. people. Well, I, I agree with that. I can stand shoulder to shoulder with you on that. However, not when you're in denial of all these fundamental principles. That That's where it's such an overcorrection that they have become equally extremist and equally as loud. And this is why we get, and because they take more, unfortunately, I'm going to get a little bit into human nature here, which chiropractors can understand this about the nervous system, fight or flight. When you're under stress, do one of the other. I, my experience is that the spiritualistic chiropractors under stress, like someone like if they were approached by what they consider their opposite, a mechanistic or reductionist, yeah. that they flight, they they run away. They don't want conflict. That's why they're easy to hang out with. They're 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 not um, aggressive people. They're good people. Yeah. They care and they they don't want to fight. They just want what's best. The problem is they're just not actually understanding the language they use, which has created this other extreme, who when they're under stress and someone presents them with the principles, they don't run away, they fight. Hmm. So this is precisely why all of our, I don't, I'm using this term so loosely, leadership, yeah. but better, better said misleadership, um, like in the accrediting bodies, the associations, organizations, so many of them are actually that extreme, that extreme that's, yeah is authoritative uh, they they identify as evidence-based but they're actually just reductionist mechanistic yeah not that i'm condemning those words but they are equally as religious as the spiritual side who identifies as vitalistic they're both lacking the same thing understanding and that is the only place to come together so can these two extremes come together yes and there's only one place to do it understanding principles, fundamental truths. There's no deny. If, if I were to say to you, what about all these, um, like you don't see mathematicians like fighting and stuff like, cause yeah. addition and subtraction, those are principles. They come together on that. We can agree. This is how sub addition subtraction works. So we, I may be a bit idealistic, but I do think we can come together. And even if we did, I wouldn't consider it, consider it a great loss because I perceive, like, I may be wrong, that these extreme ends are the minority. What yeah. would help is if the silent majority wasn't so silent anymore and that they became better in, with their rhetoric and influence and they could find a way to talk to the, the extremists that they lie closest to on this spectrum of trying to understand the principles or the core, which would bring us together. And I'd say it's the same, not just, again, principle. It's not just this way in chiropractic. It's the same in politics and all the crazy mm -hmm. oppositional ideologies we see in politics too as well. Like you're never gonna get people to 
come together on anger, love, fear, joy. You're only going to get them to come together because those like I could feel anger right now, but in two minutes I could feel nothing but pure happiness, love and joy. It's emotions. You cannot build a connection or a relationship based on this like shifting foundation. What you can build it on something that's stable and sustainable, reproducible and reliable is principles, fundamental truths, fundament. I want a fundament, a foundation. And together we can all come there and get on this foundation and then express our emotions. So long as we're on this foundation, but what we've done in the world and in our profession too, our profession is a great reflection of the world. We flipped it. We, everything is emotional now. And that's why we live in such a turbulent world because our foundation, which should be stable is now emotion instead of reason. And that's why I titled the book restoring reason. I want to restore reason so that we can have a discussion. We can come to an understanding. We can come together. That doesn't mean we have to have the same ideas, opinions, beliefs, and perceptions. Those are subjective concepts, but we can come together on an objective concept, truth, principles, right? I hope that. Yeah, no, it does. And I mean, I, I, you know, what I really loved about your book um, is that taking that emotion out of it, you obviously do well in Holland, you know, they're a bit more emotionally flat than <laughs> in the U.S. Um, but um, so what I wanted to ask going from that, um, chiropractic has been around a long time. We have, um, you know, real some real fundamental truths in the profession. We have a very high satisfaction rate with the people that use our services why are we still seeing such a small percentage of the population? I mean, is it the identity crisis? Um, is it, uh, you know, what in your perception, why is it after so many years, there's still such a small section of society that uses us on a regular basis? My opinion is kind of a combination of, of two things, really. I would say there's no, in chiropractic, I would say there's no shortage of, anatomical and physiological knowledge. We know quite a bit about the spine, the nervous system, how it works and this function, all that. That's not where the problem lies. The problem is not in knowledge. However, there is, like I said, knowledge and understanding are not the same thing. Yeah. There is a, a deficit of understanding. And that is the first element. I think with more understanding, that certainty doesn't come from like true genuine certainty. There's a sort of pseudo certainty or this self-fabricated certainty that people create for themselves with their feeling like conviction bias. I feel very strongly about this. So it's true. And I'm certain. <laughs> However, once they come into conflict and I like BJ, you say conflicts clarify when they come into conflict. Uh, if they, they can't rationally or reasonably defend their, their position, mm -hmm it's quickly identified that uh, their, understand, their understanding was not on the basis of reason, right? And then emotions start bubbling up. Yeah, and there is, there's the issue. I think, and it's not entirely bad that chiropractors are, I'll, I'll, I'm trying to think how to say this best. We need more understanding. There's certainly a deficiency in understanding. And I would say there is a toxicity and I, I hate to say this, but there is a toxicity of compassion. 
chiropractors mm -hmm. by nature are probably, in my opinion, one of the most compassionate um, healthcare providers ever, right? Yeah. And that is good. That's what makes us like, that's partly why we're so successful, right? And why people come to us and we have high satisfaction rates. I mean, people of high compassion are drawn to this profession because it truly, yeah. truly helps. It helps real health. The problem is when that compassion goes unchecked with, with reason, emotion and thought are not the same thing. Uh, we require both. I, I mean, I'm a very passionate person when it comes to my team and my friends, my family, my mission, my purpose. However, that's not what, what directs my, my action. It just fuels it. Right? They're not the same thing. Like the fuel in my car is not the same as the, the driver, right? Yeah. One is directing it. One powers it, right? So they're both necessary. I wouldn't, it's like saying, what's more important, your heart or your lungs? It's they're different. Mm. They're both necessary, right? And passion and emotion, those things are necessary. We're supposed to have them. Um, however, when they take the seat of control, which is where voice of reason should be, that's a problem. There's one voice of reason, but there are multitude of emotions and you can't have like this constant switching of who's in control, right? Those are advisors, just like the dashboard on your car, like all those lights, those like emotions, it's real time feedback, like oil temperature, how fast I'm going, all this stuff. It's good. I, the driver should be informed, but I don't yeah. let those things determine the direction and which way to turn and what my destination is No, And unfortunately that's what a lot of chiropractors are doing right now is that emotion is running the show. And, um, that's because they haven't been given the tools. It's probably not, no, it's probably no fault of their own, but academia, which I criticized in my book has really lost focus and it's not giving us the tools we need to properly cultivate and nurture that voice of reason so that we can make these better decisions. So I would say that's the first thing. And then more to the point of your question, and Martin Harvey is who I always refer to for this, but it's a two point thing. One, no understanding is almost replaced with emotion. Third or second is rhetoric, the third liberal art. There are so many characters I know that their understanding of chiropractic is so good but the way they interact and communicate with their, their market, their community, fellow chiropractors, all other healthcare professionals like dentists, medical doctors, it that's an art as well. And there's a there are things ways to communicate and ways not to communicate. There are ways that are effective and ways that are very ineffective. You can be influential or not. And that is in how you express what you know and understand. So I'd say it's really two things, a lack of understanding that's almost been short circuited by compassion or a toxicity and unchecked, unregulated compassion. And then even if you have it, how well are you communicating? It, right? Those yeah. two things, I think that is why we're low utilization rate and we need to focus on those two things. And how are you going to, because um, I know you, you, you're playing a big role in the new school in, in the Netherlands. And I mean, around the world, one of the great things is there are some great schools popping up in Scotland. I mean, Barcelona, New Zealand. Um, how are you going to fix this? I mean, you now are getting, uh, you rubbers hitting the road. You, you're getting involved in the education of new chiropractors, you know. So uh, what, what's your plan? 
uh, some uh, one is getting involved in the accreditation. That's why I'm now on the board for the IACE. We want to uh, start accrediting schools with a proper chiropractic education, not yeah. this uh, whatever the heck the the CCE is or yeah. CE equivalent. The other thing is, and I'm very happy. I'm glad you brought up Scotland College because uh, Anker, they've uh, Anker Tile, he's the the new president. They've definitely got the right man for the job. I, th I would be so intimidated, you know, like this project's been waiting for so long and then finally they got someone and you're the guy for it. But uh, he announced that like the, the opening philosophical for their ph philosophy curriculum, their, their first book is going to be uh, my, my book. Their first study will be about, oh, man. so they'll, nice. yeah, a compliment as well. Right. But, it made me so happy because then they'll start with this foundation, even where I went at Palmer, like the fountainhead, right? Like we just jump right into these philosophy courses. I'm surrounded by people who have never even taken an intro philosophy course. And we're just yeah. jumping right in. I'm like, wait a minute. No one has any of the tools on how to validate or check these arguments or these claims. This is like jumping into uh, biology class or chemistry or physics, and you never took a math class yeah you right it all cool. yeah what is going on logic is the language necessary to apply philosophy just like math is the language so to speak necessary to apply the sciences and you're just jumping into the sciences without math we're just jumping into philosophy without covering simple logic what's going on and that is it like at the time was considered one of the more philosophically oriented schools mm. and we've definitely lost that so when Anker said or announced that he was going to introduce that book into the, I was like, oh, great. This is a great start. This means we're building from a good foundation. Like, just like I would study addition and subtraction before I study geometry, right? Yeah. So sure. I think we're moving in the right direction. And um, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to get involved more with students. Most people know that uh, it's kind of sometimes frustrating for my team, but most people that know me know I, I will drop anything for chiropractic students. Chiropractic students come first, right? If we want this profession to move in a better direction, we've got to focus on those people. The people that have been around for 20 years for the right reasons or wrong reasons, good or bad, it's, it's a poor, I find a poor investment in my time. Yeah. Like uh, it's either we get along, we don't get along, and that's fine. I wish you all the best. But time and time and time again i'm in contact with students or recent graduates who are just lost yeah what am i doing or they want to leave the profession before they even gave it a try because they don't understand it they didn't get it from their school and there's not enough experienced chiropractors reaching out to them or or, or there for them so um yeah i i don't have I don't have you you have uh, a lot of you have how many kids you got now three is it? i got three uh three and counting cool. yeah like i'm very blessed i uh, you're blessed you have children i'm blessed i don't have children i, I have a lot of freedom and i have other things yeah, I can yeah. take care of. but um i admire how guys like you get so much done and have children that's like so hats off to you guys i don't know how you do it honestly because i work oh, okay. I, I feel like i work pretty hard <laughs> but I can't imagine like doing all of that for this profession and to like, you know, do my best for it. Cause I, if I know if I had a child, I'd like, I'd do everything for that child. That's it. I mean, cause they, they have your, your heart, you know, and uh, it's like your heart's walking outside of your body. But I think 
and then the flip side of that you're so driven to you know make the world a better place because of that so is yeah. that both sides of things but um talking about that um you know that you spoke about the school system and we're probably gonna have to end on this now if i think of my kids they go to like really good schools here in cape town but they are relatively traditional schools mm -hmm. you know um and it worries me um because a, a, a traditional school is is going to teach in a certain way you know here is the information and take the this information so as parents and i mean a lot of the chiropractors that listen to this will be will be parents um what can we do to instill this uh, reasoning in our children's minds so that as they grow up they are looking at this through this yeah. lens of, of logic understanding and not the emotions or just accepting you know what the powers that be are telling them yeah i would say like i i know every parent every good parent really wants the absolute best for their child mm. and so you're going to do the amount of effort you put into it will be i'm guessing directly related to your understanding of the problem so first i would motivate myself i want a full grasp of the problem so that i know what i'm up against and then um because just asking me on a podcast is like yeah i can say this how many people are going to follow through with anything i say unless you really know what you're up against so what I would recommend first to make sure you've got enough fuel in your tank uh, to drive yourself forward for those children is read up on John Taylor Gatto. John Taylor Gatto does a great uh, exposure and in-depth look at what, what the current global education uh, schooling system, let me be more yeah. correct, schooling, schooling system. Yeah. And where that came from, how it's designed, how it works. There's also a great presentation. It's from years ago, but Peg Luxick, um, uh, I think she was talking to Pennsylvania State Board of Education, but there's so much information out there, but John Taylor Gatto summarizes all of it quite well. And, and you can pick up any two of his books and then consider yourself driven. <laughs> Once you know, now you're like, okay, it's not just a, hey, Travis on a podcast, what can I do? You, You'll, you'll be way beyond me. You, once you see what's going on and what your kids are going to be facing, then you'll move forward and you won't need anyone like me to tell you what to do. But once you do, I would recommend, I would recommend Sister Mary and Joseph's book, like as a parallel curriculum. I did the same thing in chiropractic school. Many chiropractors I know, they more and more so actually, like my good friends, Tom Dirksen, Christian Caswell at the AECC, not the best school for chiropractic. Yeah. But they did is they had this parallel curriculum along the way and they become two of the two of the most principled greatest chiropractors that i know here in europe so that's what i would do if i had children i'd do the same thing i would pick up sister Miriam joseph's book uh, the trivium trivium yeah and i would make sure that my children are very familiar with that one and only textbook and if after you read john taylor gato you'll understand why exactly exactly why because when he talks about the elite schools, and I'm not talking like Yale, Harvard, I'm, I mean elite, 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 elite. And what those, this like, not the one percenters, but I'm 0.00001%. What their education is, it is 100% the trivium. Trivium, 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 trivium. 
knowledge, understanding, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, wisdom. That's all they do. They read, write, and debate. Read, write, and debate. Reading is the best way to acquire knowledge or the first level of art. Reading, because it's also preparing you. uh, You're using your creativity and it's preparing you for the second level art, which is writing or uh, logic. The expression of, okay, I have to order my arguments and think about this. Structure what I'm going to say. Does it follow? Does it conform to reason? And then debate. Well, that's practice for, uh, unfortunately, there's always a winner and loser because it's, it's debates are judged. I prefer discussion. But what they do is they debate. They read, write, and debate. And debate is their opportunity to express what they've, the knowledge and the hmm. understanding that they've acquired through the reading and the writing. This is their opportunity. And gaps, you know, that you may not know. Blind yeah. spots that you weren't even aware of that were there. Yeah. That's um, that's what my children would be doing. Because yeah. if you've cultivated those first three liberal arts, which are strictly with the quality of the mind, then there is nothing they can't learn on their own. Yeah. That's what I would do. Oh, man. Travis. Thank you so much. This has been a really insightful conversation. I mean, I'm so glad that uh, your book is spreading into the chiropractic colleges. I mean, for me, it should be foundational. Um, And, you know, what I wanted to say is that it it mustn't only be done in that first year because, you know, when I was in first year chiropractic college, you know, I I was all over the place. I was probably drunk half the time. But as you get... As you get older, you know, and, and it's it should be injected every single year. You know, we did philosophy in our first year, and then we never touched on it again. So I lost it. But if we can inject it all the way through that they come out at the other side, then that's going to be way more powerful. Yeah. And that's luckily there's programs out there like the AC, the Academy of Chiropractic Philosophers from Sherman. Um, joining the IFCO is a great way to stay in touch with other people and getting a network that also an organization that helps so much for principled chiropractic and notice i say principled chiropractic i don't say vitalistic mechanic no just the principles that's where we that's where we come together so yeah yeah i agree it needs to be injected a lot and luckily there's some great people out there doing some good stuff for us yeah, we, we, we're very blessed with, uh, I say this almost every week because I speak to people every week, we're so blessed with the leaders in, in our profession. And we've got we've got problems, it's like everything else, but we've just got some amazing people, you know, you being yeah. one of them. So uh, awesome. thank you so much for your time. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll chat again, but I'm going to let you go and, uh, you know, run a school or run your 100 clinics or <laughs> write another book or whatever's next on your to-do list. Um, but have a have a great rest of your day. I'll speak to you okay, soon. Thank you, Robert. It's always a pleasure. Take care. Ah, cheers, my friend. Bye bye.